Well, it's good to be in God's house tonight. I can tell you what. Um, can we turn to Second uh, Timothy chapter three and Romans chapter one? Second Timothy chapter three and Romans chapter one. Um, I was going over my notes uh, a few moments ago. I can't. I'm a man. I can't talk and turn at the same time. It's so hard. And. Uh, I got to thinking about, I'm excited about this message. We started a study three weeks ago in Romans, and we're, Lord willing, we'll start, we'll finish the first chapter tonight. In our Sunday school hours, you know, we've been going through 1 Timothy, and the men have been teaching that, and I've been loving that. Every week we come into it, I look forward to what the men have for us. I look forward to studying. I look forward to seeing where we are studying, getting prepared for it, whether I'm teaching or not teaching. I like to read it and be ready uh, for what's coming. I enjoy it. I get excited about it. And I literally thought of this. I thought, you know what? Scripture's a lot like socks, new socks. I know that's so deep. I'm going to blow your minds with my depth. When you're a child, you don't want socks for Christmas. You don't want socks for your birthday. That is such a letdown. I mean, all you want is the fun, exciting toys that are geared for your, uh, uh, where you are in life. The, the, all the trinkets and the shiny things. And you, man, that's so great, right? You know, but as you get older, at Christmas time, my dad bought a big box of brand new socks from like Sam's Club or something. He's literally throwing all the men brand new things of socks. And the, and the teenagers and younger were like, oh, grandpa got his socks. And all the adults were like, oh, that is awesome. Yeah, good black socks. Oh, yeah, I love it, right? And we can all understand that. Well, when you're young in the Lord, you just want the exciting things that are like debatable or controversial and all the things that are, that, that are just easy to grab, easy to look at, right? But you don't want anything that's of any work to learn, <laughs> right? And... and um, Going through the book of Romans would be boring to some folks. And I get that. And, and, and there's growth that needs to happen to everybody. But I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying it so far. I'm looking forward to what we can glean from the scriptures tonight in Romans chapter 1. Um, Lord willing, we'll finish it. But I'd like to start tonight, before we really get into the message, Second Timothy chapter 3. I'd like to start here before we go to Romans 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep in the houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background is. Um, we can all agree on this passage of Scripture. Paul nailed it. We see this today on an absolute regular basis. That is the norm to the world. So much so, so much so that, that it is abnormal 
to stand up and say, hey, I have moral values. Hey, I want to stand for what's right. I want to stand for biblical, God-given values. That is not normal in the day and age in which we live, unfortunately. Scripture has clearly withstood the test of time. Amen. Brother Shine, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir? Amen. Well, John talked about reading scripture over and over. Man, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, there are circles that don't believe in teaching the same messages or preaching the same messages. Um, the crazy thing is that would make Jesus wrong. Because <laughs> he literally, many times he would say, I, do I have to tell you again? I've already taught you. Paul would say, I have to teach you again. Things that you already knew, I've got to teach you again. Repetition, repetition, repetition. The message hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Amen. So the verse that we just read within our minds, amen. Uh, uh, let's go back to where we left off last Wednesday, but let's back up a couple verses. Verse 18, we'll start there just to clarify who the subject is. Look at verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Who holds the truth in unrighteousness? Ungodly men, the lost world, people who are not saved. Amen. So look at verse 19, Because that which may, because of that which may, may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Who is without excuse? The lost. It's still the, 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 the subject here. It hasn't changed. It's, it's a continuation of who Paul is talking about. So here we come to the verse where we left off, and the subject of context is still the lost soul who has not accepted Christ. That's important to know. You say, well, how could you say that, Pastor? One, it's obvious. Two, verse 20 ends with a colon. What's that mean? That what's coming up next is a continuation of what just was. And verse 21 starts off with the word because. So as, as if to say, as if to say like, um, um, a, con- a continuation of what's being said, amen. Say, Pastor, that's so obvious. I know. But there are people that want to argue that this is not talking about the lost, amen. So I just want to clarify that. And sometimes, you know what's great about being a, a preacher? The Bible speaks for itself. I'm just pointing it to it. Amen. Look at verse 21. Remember, a continuation. Because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. What does that mean? It means that 
that they considered God to be no more important than a frog or a rock or a tree or you or me. And inadvertently, what also is that doing when you're bringing God down to this level? Well, really, what you're doing is you're bringing self up to God-like status. Now we're on the same level as God. You say, so that should sound familiar to anyone that has any conversation of biblical things to anybody at any time. Amen. Because what's the popular thing in our culture? You know, oh, you believe in Jesus? This is, this is, you believe in God? Wow, okay. Hey, that's a good truth for you. I don't believe in God at all. What Muslim? Oh, you believe in, in Allah? Oh, man, you should kill yourself and get virgins? That's a good truth for you. What atheist? You know what? I respect you. I'm going to bring God down right to your level, atheist. And it's all just your opinion. Whatever. It doesn't matter. That's what's happening here. That's what the lost world does. That's what Paul's saying. Now in verse 24, Paul takes a turn. And in, in the context of the lost soul, it is now directed to sexual acts of immorality. Look at verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. What does lust mean in your 1828 Webster's Dictionary? A longing desire, pleasure, craving a strong sexual appetite. And here in verse 24, Paul is talking about lust. He mentions lust to their hearts. Then he, right after that, he says two bodies coming together to do something dishonorable. It is obvious what he's talking about. Yet people today want to argue this and say that's not what it is. Let's keep reading. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. What does vile mean? It means despicable, morally base, or impure, depraved by sin. You think that would affect the woke crowd today? Absolutely it would. Look at verse 27. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of the air which was meat. Paul literally took it a step further from sexual immorality to homosexuality. Men with men and women with women. You say, Pastor, why are you hitting that scripture so hard? One, when it's a good Bible study to go verse by verse. It doesn't matter who you are. It's a fact. You go verse by verse. It's a good, deep, thorough Bible study. But number two, because it's widely popular to have the the notion in our sin-sick culture that that God does not condone sin in the Bible, specifically homosexual sin. I've heard it so many times. Well, God never says anything about gays or lesbians in the Bible. Actually, he makes it really, really clear. The the problem is we just don't want to look at it. Amen. Um, Turn to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 3. Let's just... Let's just take a moment really quick here. This isn't a long message. We're already halfway through. Let's just get a glimpse of and try to understand from a biblical point of view, which is what? God's perspective. To understand what God uh, thinks about this sexual behavior outside of marriage. 
And there are so many verses we could go to. I'm just going to look at a couple here. Um, you're looking at Leviticus 20:13, but just glance over at verse 10. It, it mentions that you can, uh, if you if you cheat on your wife with another woman, you're both going to be put to death. Verse 11 says, if you have relations with your mother, both of you are put to death. Verse 12, it says, a man with his daughter-in-law, both of them are put to death. Now let's read verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with womankind, that sexual church, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood should be upon them. But that's not all. Uh, you want to say scripture doesn't talk about this? Absolutely it does. Verse 14, it talks about a man with a, a wife and her mother. All three are put to death. A man with the beast, both of them put to death. A woman with the beast, both of them put to death. And it goes on and on specifically, calling things out. What's an abomination? What is wrong? What is wicked? It talks about aunts and uncles. And, and I hope you read it for yourself. Bestiality, it nails that. Whoever does that in the beast, put them to death. So don't let anyone ever tell you God never mentions anything about the LGBTQFXZ crowd. Amen. Church, the word of God is clear on marriage. It's between a man and a woman. It always has been and always will be biblically. But I'd like to point this out, too. We're looking at Romans chapter 1, right? Let's glance at it. Just from a bird's eye view, right? You look at verse 22, first came pride. Verse 23, second came lifting themselves to God-like status, bringing God down to their level. In verse 24, you have third came sexual immorality, and fourth, you see in 26, came vile and unnatural sexual immorality. Huh. There's a progression there. It's almost like sin grows and sin is never satisfied. It's almost like, man, maybe mom and dad are right. Maybe I shouldn't even touch that woman. Maybe I shouldn't even, whatever. Mom and dad know what they're talking about. How's it go? Sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay. It's true. It might sound cliche, but it is so true. But yet we don't. That's somebody else. I'm doing better. I'm closer to God-like status than so-and-so. I don't need to worry about, right, that's what we do in our pride. Look at verse 28, Romans 1, 28. Paul goes on and saying, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. I had to look up the word reprobate. I mean, we generally know what it is, but it just helps us, especially on a word. We, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I do not use that daily. <laughs> Amen. Reprobate means one morally abandoned and lost to disapprove with detestation or marks of extreme dislike to to condemn as unworthy, to disallow, to reject. All it takes is a Bible study. It just takes one Bible study. In two or three hours, 
It don't have to be extensive. In two or three hours, you can have a really good understanding of what the Bible says about, about any subject. About any subject that we live in in our day-to-day lives. If we just take the time to do a little study on it, not just rely on what the Simpsons say or what the f- friends say. I don't know. What's the latest? Kardashians? That's not a TV show, though, right? I don't know. I'll ask, uh, I'll ask uh, Brother Raleigh what the latest thing is after church. <laughs> Amen. Amen, basketball game. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But the lost world wants to say that there's no bounds. But we can, we can love who we want to. Love, love knows no bounds. And that, that's, that's, a, that's a popular uh, uh, um, way of thinking nowadays. But, but they know that's not true when they say that. Because somebody who uh, wants to uh, 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 marry the same sex would say, well, bestiality is wrong. I mean, I mean, love stops there. Or love stops at, uh, it'd be, married for me to, um, be wrong for me to marry a tree. We say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, all of a sudden, love does have bounds. We just disagree on where the bounds are. And where are we saying the bounds are? Where God's word says the bounds are. But what does mankind naturally want to do? doesn't matter what God says. We want to be anti-Christ, right? Whatever, we want to buck the system, whatever it is, we're going to go against whatever God says every time. That's what the world does. I thank God for boundaries. Man, I thank God for boundaries. And, and everyone that was ever born a child in this room should be saying the same thing, that you had parents that cared enough to say, hey, this is wrong, this is right. Whether you were lost or saved, a good parent's going to say, this is wrong, this is wrong. For your safety, this is wrong and this is right. I heard a great saying, sex is like fire. When kept in the bounds of the fireplace, boy, it'll keep a house warm and it's good and it's healthy. But outside that fireplace, it will burn your house down and the neighbor's house down or could kill you. Sex within a marriage is wonderful. It'll it'll keep the, 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 the family warm. It's healthy on many levels. But outside what God intended it for, And it will ruin relationships more than you ever dreamed of. What the world will do is they'll tell you that, well, it's just physical. It's just physical, right? And, you, and, and, and when anyone that ever had children will know that what do children do or been a boss or a manager will know that people will justify anything to make excuses for what they want to do, Right? If, if, if you've never been in an authority position at all, it might be harder for you to see that. It's like my dad, he always said something like when he was 20, he knew everything. When he was 30, he found out he didn't know as much as he thought he did. When he was 40, he found out he didn't know anything. When he was like 60, he found out that he was completely dumb. <laughs> and everybody, you know, as he got older, he realized there's so much more that I never, I just don't know nothing compared to what's out there. Amen. Point being made, our teenagers that think they're so smart. Amen. Kind of makes me, I just preach against the teenagers tonight, Noah. <laughs> He's like the only one in here. <laughs> Amen. We'll go get Goose. We'll get him in here. Amen. Amen.
But the world will say that sex is just physical. But here's the thing. They, they know that's not true. They know that's, that's not true. Because then why is it worse um, when somebody rapes you than just assaults you? It's so much worse. So much worse. Because sex is beyond physical. It is emotional. It is biological. And it's spiritual. That doesn't fare well when you're trying to make excuses for what you want to do, right? Amen. I looked at this from the Gallup poll for whatever that's worth. The Gallup poll seems like it's a poll. They say that they're non, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Nonpartisan, amen. I don't know if that's true or not, but they're the poll people. And here's some stats. You could take it for what it's worth. In 2017, there was uh, four 4.5% 4.5% of Americans claimed to be gay. And now in 2023, that number has risen to 5.6%. And that 5.6%, they say 3.1% of them uh, identifies bisexual, 1.4% says gay, and 07 is lesbian, and 06 is transgender. Here's the thing. That is a striking difference from what you see on every TV show that's out there right now. Completely different. Every commercial, every movie, you got to have it right in your face as if it's normal. Look, kids, it's normal. Try to be like this. That's the cool kids. Ed's in the store, all of it. Disney, shame on them. On that alone, man, we could start a march and go up to the White House right now, amen. Let's get back to our text. Romans chapter 1, verse 29. Let's continue on, and we'll come to a close in a moment. Romans chapter 1, verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. Uh, Aren't you glad I didn't say stand up when I called you out? Amen. Because we'd all be up here on the platform. Amen. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud. That's every one of us. Boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. We've all been there without understanding. Covenant breakers, without natural affection. That's homosexuality, bestiality, implicable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, because Paul made it really clear, God wrote it upon their hearts. They know that there's a God. Who, know the, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Did God's word, in, the, in that, that little rant of scripture, that calling scriptures out, did God just compare homosexuality to a murderer? Did God just compare homosexuality to a debater, someone who's disobedient to their parents, somebody who's, who brags all the time. Yes. Yeah. We are all sinners. And I would hope that you were a sinner saved by grace. But we're all sinners nonetheless. Some people would disagree with that. But I hit that hard Sunday night. We are all still sinners. And without 
Christ, you're going to go down a progressive rabbit hole so much faster than somebody who's saved. Oh, there's people that will backslide and fall into the sin of, uh, progression of sin. Like Paul laid it out, starts here, then it goes here, then it goes here. But for the lost man, that's a natural progression. For the one who's saved, you are literally turning your back on God. You're ignoring his word. You're ignoring the plea of the Holy Spirit. You're ignoring getting callous to a Holy Spirit conviction with every sin that you commit in progression, getting worse, getting worse, snubbing your nose at God, saying, I've got a better way. Sin is real. Sin is real. And immorality is real. And the world wants to make light of all of that. Oh, sin is just whatever. We'll put it down on, on this level. and It's all just mythology, and you can have your opinion. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. We'll wind down here tonight. People like to say that all sin is the same. Uh, I, I had a guy at work. Him and his wife were both ordained. And I said, really? Well, what made you do that? He said, well, we just thought like it was a good idea. <laughs> Literally, that's like verbatim his words. Right? Of course, they don't go to church anywhere, Right? But they know all about what God says about things, right? And he told me that, that God doesn't see any sins different from another. He said that when we look at sin, we see it like, oh, man, that's a, that's a mountain of a sin or that's a lesser of a sin. And we see these peaks and valleys from our perspective. And say, wow, that's so bad and that's so not bad and that's a better sin, right? And, and he was telling me that God, from his perspective, there's no mountains or valleys. He just sees it as all sin. That's not true. First of all, that's a, that's a weak perspective of a God that he's up there and he only sees from that perspective. Are you kidding me? Like God doesn't know the thoughts and tents of every heart. He knows more like what's going on than we ever dreamed of. Intimately. Not all sin is the same. And if you've ever raised children, you know this. The greater the offense, the greater the punishment. You don't get sentenced to the electric chair for telling a lie. That would be ridiculous. And nobody would ever say that. Or think that. Look at me, look, let, let's look at what Jesus said. Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. Whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I send you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. You say, What's your point on that? God is a point, Jesus is pointing to different consequences for different sins. Jesus again references one sin greater than another. Jump to John chapter 19, verse 11. John 19, verse 11. Let's just see what Jesus has to say here. John 19, 11. Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Now you tell me, does Jesus himself think that some sins are greater than others? Yeah. That's just straight Bible that is not debatable. That's just straight. I can't even say black and white. It is red. Amen. 
So in Romans, let's close it down here. In Romans, we see at the beginning, Paul shares his his desire to all the saints in Rome. That's what he's writing. Man, I wish I was with you. I want to be with you. My heart is there. Uh, I love you guys. Then, then Paul, we went over this, uh, was it last week, I think, that Paul um, showed us how, uh, and described to us how God put it upon the hearts of every man, woman, and child that has ever born, past, present, or future, the knowledge of an almighty God written on their hearts. So they're without excuse. Then we see that tonight in, in Romans chapter 1, the progression of sin eventually ending up reprobate. Not just the wickedness of sex outside the marriage, but specifically condoning homosexual relations. I love new socks. I'm thankful for them, man. I'm wearing them right now. They're awesome. These haven't been these haven't been washed yet. That's awesome. Amen. I love the word of God. And when our children, and when, when the girls go to mom and say, Is this dress too short? Can I wear this? And what should our response be? Well, what what does Hannah Montana do? What, let's go to Disney. Let's go to Disney for our standards. No, no, no. What does the Bible say? We can go to the Bible to get dress standards. Did you know that? Or it could be, hey, mom and dad, can I go to that party? Well, what should our standard be? But why we're, what we're watching on TV? Because that's not going to cut it, Brother Waddell. It ain't going to cut it. The same pattern happens as we get older. We don't go to the Bible we don't go to the Bible. We don't go to the Bible. Now, when we're, we're I've had men in the office contemplating di- divorce. I've had, uh, um, I've, I've had talked to uh, numbers of men talking about, uh, didn't know if they were saved or not. Um, uh, men that, um, whatever capacity. What's, what's the answer? Look to the scriptures. And I would dare say, I'd be so bold as to say everyone in this room, including your preacher, could have gone to scriptures way more often throughout their life. Way more often. We try to do things on our own, and it don't work out so well so often. But why don't we just go to the scriptures when there's an issue, when there's a question in life? Go to the, just, hey, two or three hours, you can really get a great understanding. And now all of a sudden, you, the, you can spend the rest of your life saying, you know what? I looked at some scriptures of what God has to say about that. What should our answer always be to every situation in life? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Every single time. That, that, save, that save a lot of work on the pastor's part. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But they say pastoring, being a pastor is a great job if it weren't for people. <laughs> Amen. Let's, uh, let's close in word of prayer. Brother Waddell, would you close, sir?